All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. Well, I don't normally do this, but uh, I'm gonna plug my class real quickly before I jump into the Word. Uh, starting January 10th, I'm, uh, I'm gonna be doing a, a class called Cancel Culture on Wednesday nights. We're gonna go through the book of Daniel and we're gonna use Daniel as our example for what it means to live in a world and a culture of compromise and yet still stand firm in who God's called us to be and love other people well. So if you've never been uh, to one of our Bible studies here, if you've never come on Wednesday nights, I'd encourage you to come. They have an amazing kids program. Uh, our students meet. We have prayer and small groups. There literally is something for everybody. And so I would encourage you sign up. That way we know how many people are coming and uh, it's gonna be a great time. So January 10th, make sure that you uh, make plans to join us. Well, y'all ready for the word? All right, well, I'm ready to give it. So I hope you're ready, ready or not, here we go. When I was a kid, my brother and I were introduced to one of the greatest things known to man. We were introduced to professional wrestling. Some of you laugh at that, but I'm serious. We loved it. We would go over to my cousin Lance's house and Lance had all of the old classic stuff. He had all of the WrestleManias and Bash at the Beach and it was WCW and WWF. And he introduced us to this world with these larger than life characters like Andre the Giant and The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan and, and Sting and Ric Flair and the Macho Man. And we were literally watching these amazing stories of good versus evil and getting the girl and losing the girl and the girl turning on you. And it was just, it was incredible. And not only were there great stories and great characters, but most of all, there were guys beating each other up. And if you are a young boy or you have young boys, there is nothing greater in this world than seeing two people literally just beat the stuffing out of each other. And my cousin, he introduced us to this world and one of the things that he had that I loved were these wrestling buddies of all the characters. And so we literally could try out all of the moves that we were seeing on TV on these guys, but they didn't fight back really well. So we learned that it was better if you just beat up each other and that opened up all kinds of new problems and, and, and doors and opportunities. And back then, this was during the 90s, and so we were introduced to the Monday Night War, and every Monday night, it's WCW versus WWF. And me and my brother, we would faithfully sit in front of the TV and watch to see what was gonna to happen to some of our favorite heroes and what was gonna to happen to some of our most favorite villains. And I remember one particular night, we're watching it, and my dad walks in the room. And what he said to me, I'm not sure if it was out of concern, because he was worried that his two young sons were going to act out and get hurt doing what they were seeing on TV, or if it was possibly embarrassment, and he just, for the life of him, wanted us to turn the channel and get into something else. But whatever the case may be, my dad walked in and he looked right at us and he said, sons, you know what you're watching is fake. I was appalled, my father had never lied to me before in my entire life. And here he is trying to tell me that what I'm seeing clearly in front of me is somehow not real. And I said, dad, are you seeing this? I mean, they are literally just choking each other out and throwing each other through tables and hitting each other with trash cans and jumping off the top rope and landing on each other. And my dad said, think about it for a minute. 
If they were actually doing what they're acting out on TV, there would be a dead person on week, on TV every single week. And I thought about it, and maybe, just maybe, my dad kind of knew what he was talking about. But I still wasn't sure, and so I decided that I would talk to some men of wisdom that I had in my life, my fellow high school buddies, and I thought, we're gonna work this out, we're gonna, we're gonna figure it out. And, and the more that we looked into it, I'm not gonna say everything we saw was real, but the truth is that these were real athletes and they're really putting their bodies on the line and there are times that they're getting hurt and there's times that things aren't going the way that they're supposed to and there's real danger involved in what they're doing. But I learned that no matter what you see play out on the screen or whatever happens in the ring, everything is predetermined. Before they ever lock up, before they ever come out there and pose, before the music ever hits, the outcome has been decided. Who wins and who loses. And as I was studying for today, I just believe that there may be some people here or some people that are joining us online and maybe you're in a place like me where, man, you are seeing some real giants in your life and you're facing some situations and you're looking down the road at things that are coming and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how I'm gonna overcome. I don't know where God is in this. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. And can I just tell you that just like professional wrestling, for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who are followers of Jesus, for those who are submitted to Jesus, the outcome has already been decided. And I've got good news for you today that we win. And that doesn't mean that everything's gonna go the way that you want it to. That doesn't mean that there's not gonna be some bumps and bruises along the way. That doesn't mean that there aren't gonna be times where it feels like loss. But in the end, no matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter what you may be walking through, in the end, all things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus. And we come out victorious. And for some of you, you hear that and you're still doubting because you're saying to yourself, but you don't know what I'm going through and you don't know what the situation looks like and you don't know how bad it actually is. And so for the next few moments today, I wanna talk with you and encourage you on the subject, wrestling with my future. Would you pray for me as I pray for you as we ask God to meet us in this place? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, for what you've already done today. And I pray, God, as we look at scripture, that your people would be filled with faith, that they would be filled with hope of the promises that you have spoken over their lives. And right now, I rebuke every sound of the enemy that is trying to lie and manipulate and tell us it's too far gone and that we're defeated. And I pray that we would walk out of here today victorious in our spirits, believing you for what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you got your Bibles with you, open them up to Genesis chapter 32. And today we're gonna be looking at one of the patriarchs, one of the fathers of our faith, a man named Jacob. He is the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. And it is through him that Jesus, his lineage, that Jesus would come. And yet Jacob is most known probably in most circles as being a trickster and a 
supplanter, somebody that manipulates their way into blessing, taking things that don't really belong to them. And when we come to this passage of scripture, Jacob is actually following the word of the Lord who told him to go, and yet right before this, he is immediately faced with obstacles and opposition in the form of his father-in-law who is chased after him and is not really happy with how Jacob left and how Jacob did things. And Jacob, who is a trickster and known for his scheming ways, it's now followed his wife and now his wife is deceiving and she has deceived her father-in-law. And now Jacob has left this situation and now he is headed towards an encounter with his brother Esau. And if you know anything about Jacob and Esau, Jacob actually took the blessing from his older brother Esau. And the last thing he knew about Esau is that Esau had made a promise that he was going to kill Jacob. And now his past is catching up to him. And Jacob is in a place where he knows what is ahead of him. And it is a meeting with his brother who has vowed to kill him. And I'm sure there had to be a part of them that's thinking, man, I just keep screwing up. I keep making the wrong decisions. I keep trying to work things out in my own way and in my own timing. And yet check out what happens in chapter 32, starting with verse one. It says, Jacob also went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. Isn't it amazing that God remains faithful even when we falter, even when we mess up, even when we get it wrong, he's still a good and loving father. I don't know if any of you are like me, but I, I do this up and down thing with God where if I'm having a bad day or things aren't going my way or things aren't going the way that I think they should, I immediately go to this thought that God must be mad at me, that God must be angry at me, that God must be done with me, that God must be punishing me for things that I have done when I wasn't faithful to him and the things that he called me to. And I'm so thankful for my wife who in those moments where I am dealing with self-doubt and I am punishing myself and beating myself up, she always reminds me that just because you don't see God working doesn't mean he, he's not moving. And just because you don't feel him at all times doesn't mean that he's not present. And, and it's not about what you do to get in his good graces. His grace and his mercy and his faithfulness is in spite of everything that you do. In fact, the Bible says this in Ephesians. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There are so many of us that think I've gotta, I've gotta work myself into being in God's good graces and I gotta make all the right choices and do all of the right things. But God's love is not expressed in that you get everything right. God expresses his love that even though we mess up and make mistakes and fall short, he is still faithful to us. And even though Jacob keeps screwing up and messing up, God remains faithful to him showing up in his situation. So there Jacob is, and now he has just encountered the angels of the Lord. And you would think that this would be a moment of building of faith in Jacob's life, but check this out in verse three. 
Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he instructed them, this is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there until now. I have cattle and donkeys and sheep and goats, men servants and maid servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. And when the messenger returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau and now he is coming to meet you and 400 men are with him. He has just been in the presence of angels. And now he begins to freak out because of the word of people around him. I didn't say this at the 930, but can I tell somebody today, you better be careful who you are allowing to speak into your life. Not every word that is spoken over you comes from God. And it might sound good and it may be wrapped in some scripture that's been twisted out of context, but that's why the Bible says that we take every thought captive and then we line it up with his word. And if he didn't say it, then it's not from him. But Jacob is freaking out because he knows that death is awaiting him. And now 400 men are coming towards him. So in verse seven, it says, in great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. And he thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left might escape. Then Jacob prayed. This is powerful because some of you don't know what to do when you get in times of distress. And Jacob gives us the formula, the secret sauce. Then Jacob prayed. O God, my father of Abraham, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed the Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Jacob shows us that when we wrestle with doubt, we have to counter it with the reminders of God's promises, with thanksgiving of his faithfulness to us. Not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, in fact, I was, I woke up and nothing was going on. It was around Thanksgiving and I get up and all of a sudden, anxiety and paranoia hit me. You ever had that before? Where you just wake up, nothing's happened, nobody said anything to you, and all of a sudden your mind starts to rabbit trail way down the road, thinking about all of the worst outcomes and the things that could happen. And all of a sudden, as I started thinking about what could happen and what, what I thought people were probably saying about me and what, what was probably happening that I couldn't see, it was like all of a sudden somebody had wrapped their arm around my neck and it was as if they were choking the life out of me. It was like I could not breathe. And I went to my wife and I said, man, I just, I'm feeling all this anxiety and I'm feeling all of this fear and I'm feeling all of this this, this pressure, and she said, you need to go pray. That kind of irritated me, because I'm like, I, that's not what I really wanted to hear. And she goes, no, you need to go pray. And so I went and, you know, I did what a lot of men do, and I didn't listen to her, so I went and sat down, and I sulked for a little bit more. And, 
and it was like it tightened a little bit more and, and, and all these doubts and thoughts are entering my head and I went to her again and I said, I, I don't know what, what's going on, but I just, I am filled with anxiety. And she said, you need to go turn on some worship music and you need to pray. So finally I was like, okay. And so I, I go into my daughter's bedroom because that's the only place uh, that they don't go where they won't follow me is the one place they should be. And so I go in there and I shut the door and I lock it and I turn on some worship music and, and I just get down on my knees and I start to pray. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, just start to give me thanks. Oh God, I don't wanna do that. Just start to give me thanks. And I kind of looked around my daughter's room and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm thankful for my kids, Lord. I'm, you gave them to me, you said they were a blessing. So I guess I thank you for them. You gotta start somewhere, you know what I mean? And so I, I, I thanked him for it. And, and then I, I started thinking about it and I thought about all the stuff that was in my daughter's room. And I said, okay, God, I, I thank you that we're provided for and that you bless us abundantly. And, and as I started to do it, I started to think about more things. And, and, I, and I said, I, I thank you that my kids have food to eat. And I thank you that they have a roof over their heads. And I thank you for a good wife who encourages and pushes me and, and prays for me. And, and I started thanking God for, for, for provision. And I thanked him for our health. And I, I thanked him that he's always taken care of us and he's always been there for us. And as I did that, it was all of a sudden like I began to feel this release, like what had been applying pressure was starting to come off of me. And the bolder that I got, the louder my voice got. And I started thanking him that I was anointed. And I thanked him that I was called. And I thanked him that he was for me and not against me, that he had a plan and a purpose for my life. And even though I couldn't see how he was working it out, that God was for me. And the more I gave him thanks and the more I gave him praise, a peace came over me that passes my understanding. The problems hadn't changed, the situation hadn't changed, but I just had a peace that God was working it out on my behalf. And I'm gonna prove this to you in scripture for some of you that are the skeptical bunch. Philippians chapter four says this, do not be anxious about anything. Well, some things, right? Nope, says about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is power when we pray. Some of you treat praise like something you do after you've been through the battle. But can I tell you that praise is often what gets us through the battle, that chains have to fall off when we praise. Battles are won when we praise. Walls fall down when we praise. Some of you are one praise away from breakthrough and peace that you're longing for in your life. That's what Jacob is doing in this scripture. He sees the problem he sees the issue and he just begins to pray. And as he prays, he begins to thank God for the words and the promises that he's spoken over his life. And some of you don't know how to pray the promises of God because you don't ever read this book. And then I get a phone call from you in the week. Oh, I'm just so anxious. I'm so nervous about this. Read your Bible. He's given you everything you need right here. 
Jacob calls back on the promises, but then he does what most of us do. He prays, he feels really good. And then look what he does in verse 20. He says, and be sure to say your servant Jacob is coming behind us. So now he's back to his servant, going to give the gifts to his brother. And be sure to say your servant Jacob is coming for he thought I will pacify him with these gifts. I am sending on ahead later when I see him. Perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. Can I tell you something? If God spoke it, you don't have to work it. Some of you hear the word of the Lord and then you try to make it work in your own power and in your own strength. But if God's in it, I don't have to force it. Now, I know some of you are gonna say to me, well, but the Bible says faith without works is dead. That's true, but it's not your works. It's not the things you wanna do. It's not the way you wanna work it out. Faith without works means God, whatever you prompt me to do, that's the step that I take. Trusting no matter what it looks like, how it works out, how it comes together, that you have a plan and you are working it out in my life. What was the word of the Lord? Jacob, go. Not Jacob, go give some gifts. Not Jacob, go try to work it out. It was just Jacob, go. And if he could just get to that place of obedience, that's where the blessing and the breakthrough is. So now he's all alone. And in verse 22, it says, that night Jacob got up and he took his two wives, his two maidservants and his 11 sons, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So in verse 24, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man and have overcome. You know what's amazing about this text? Anytime I have heard this preached, I always thought that it said that Jacob went and wrestled with the man. But that's not what the Bible says. The man says that Jacob, as he's alone, because how many of you know that some of the, 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 the greatest points of battle in our lives happens when nobody else is around and we're alone with our thoughts and we're alone with our cares and we're alone with our worries. But the Bible says that Jacob didn't wrestle with God. It says that he came and he began to wrestle with Jacob. Why? Because he loved him enough to come and wrestle out of him every ounce of pride and self-reliance that he had in his life. This is a threshold moment for Jacob. And God is saying, before I can walk you into the promotion, before I can bless you fully in everything that I have for you, I gotta get you to the place where you first submit to me. There are a lot of people that they hear the word of the Lord and then they just try to work it out all on their own. 
when all God is asking for is our surrender and our trust in him. And Jacob is now in this moment where he's got to decide, am I willing to submit? And there are a lot of people who will say with their mouths, God, I trust you. God, I believe you for the miracle. But then in their actions, they're trying to do it all on their own. When God is just saying, submit and trust me. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but we live in a fallen world. And some of you have the wrong image of God in your minds. Because you're thinking like God is standing up here in heaven. He's just like waiting for you to screw up so he can put his boot on your neck until you do what he wants you to do. That's not what happens. The truth is that we live in a fallen world with sinful bad people. And sinful bad people do what? Bad things. So I'm not telling you that everything that takes place in your life is because God's doing it to you. In fact, I think that's a wrong image of a father who loves us. But if you're a dad, how many of you know sometimes the best lesson your child can learn is when you allow them to go through something on their own so they can see how damaging it is when they don't trust you. Doesn't mean you're not there for them. Doesn't mean you're not there to catch them when they fall, but sometimes we gotta learn by falling down. And I believe that sometimes God will allow us to go through difficult situations, hard situations, not to punish us, but so that we'll become dependent on him. He lets us get to the end of ourselves so that it becomes not by my power and my strength, but God, if it's gonna happen, if the miracle's gonna take place, if you're gonna make a way, it's gonna be because you do it. And some of you today, the reason that you keep struggling isn't because you're not praying, it's not because you're not reading your word, you're not doing all the things that we tell you to do, it's because you haven't fully submitted your life to him. Because what happens to Jacob? The minute that he submits his life and admits, I'm a screw up, I'm, I'm a trickster, I'm, I'm, I'm all of these things, I'm a manipulator. God gives him a new identity and he secures his future. If you study this scripture and you really look at it, you'll see that the Bible says that he wrestled with God and man. And many scholars think that this is Jesus showing up in the flesh in the Old Testament, wrestling with Jacob. It is out of Jacob's lineage that Jesus will be born. Jacob is literally wrestling with a future that God has already secured. And in that moment of submission, God puts on him the identity that was always meant for his life. There is nothing more frustrating to me as a pastor than people who only wanna identify with their mistakes and their past. Well, I'm an abuser. Well, I'm an addict. I'm a drunk. I'm a bad dad. I'm a bad, I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad mother. I'm a bad this. I'm a bad that. I made this mistake here. And so this is who I am. When the Bible says whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And there are many of us that are glorifying our past and maximizing the effects that it had on our lives and minimizing the power of God's saving and working grace in our lives. 
When you get saved and you decide to follow Jesus, you become a son and daughter of the most high king and you are made new in him. You're not what you used to be. And Jacob is struggling with this and, and, and having an identity crisis of who he is. But in that moment, as he finally decides to give it all to God, he's made completely new. Now, remember at the beginning, I told you that Jacob has been in a place of worry and stress and fear because he did trick his brother and he did take the blessing. And now he's about to come face to face with that man and 400 others. And he has convinced himself that the outcome is death. But I wanna show you what happens. Because when you read this, you'll find that what Jacob worried about, God had already taken care of. Let's look at chapter 34. 33 and verse four. It says, but Esau ran to meet Jacob and he embraced him and he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him and they wept. God already went ahead of Jacob and he took care of the thing that he was anxious over and agonizing over. And I don't know how it's gonna work out and I, I don't see how God can make a way. God had already stepped into his future and taken care of all of it. And I just believe that there are some in here today, and maybe this is just for myself, but you've been struggling trying to figure out how you're gonna make a way and you can't figure it out. Nothing makes sense. Up is down, down is up. And I believe that the word of the Lord for you today is just to submit and to trust him to work it all out. Not trying to manipulate the situation, not trying to use your knowledge and your skills to, to get everything lined up in the way that you want it, but getting to the place where you say, God, I fully submit my life to you and I trust that however you work it out, it is for my good. See, trusting in him and submitting to him doesn't mean I try to work God to my side. It doesn't mean I pray and say, okay, God, I, wanna, I, I want you to do things this way and God, I need you to work it out this way. It's saying, God, whatever it looks like, I trust you. God, no matter how painful it is, I trust you. And it may not happen the way I want it to. It may not happen the way that I have purpose for it too in my mind, but you've given me a new identity. And so I trust as your son, as your daughter, that you're making a way for me. A lot of times we have this really small view of our lives and we just think about stuff down here, not realizing there is an eternity that waits for us. And I got news for you. We don't talk about this a lot, but I just feel led to say it. I told you that in those wrestling matches, there are winners and there are losers. It's the same thing for us. If I'm with Jesus, I win. There's an eternity in heaven that awaits me. And we don't like to talk about this as freaks people out, but you probably should be freaked out. Because for those of us who don't follow, hell is a real place. And there are gonna be people that go there. Don't let that be you. 
The most beautiful thing about the story of Jacob to me is that he's so caught up in getting blessing and getting for himself that he misses the whole point. That his lineage and his descendants and Jesus really isn't about him. It's about future generations and future nations being blessed through the work that Jesus did. Some of you, because it's 2023 and we're all about ourselves and you get all of your theological understanding based on whatever reel you came across on Instagram. It's not about us. Our lives are laid down so that God can use us so that other people might be saved, that they might find hope in him. When I was not too much younger, but I went through a, a time where things didn't go the way that I, I wanted them to. Because this is where all, always people go. And you, you preach a message of hope and they're like, well, look what happened to me and this situation didn't work out and, and, and this person died. I'm with you, I'm not minimizing that, but I've been there. My grandfather pastored for 40 years, faithfully, man of God, but he got cancer and he died a slow and painful death. Then I look at people like an aunt that I had and she would tell people all the time, like if I couldn't wake up every day and smoke a joint, weed, whatever you call it nowadays, she'd say, I don't wanna live. She got lung cancer more than once and I watched God heal her. And I, I would look at that and I'd go, well, you know, he's faithful. He look at all he's done, God, why would, why did you heal her and not heal him? And I realized I'm so short-sighted. My grandfather's eternity was secure. He's in heaven right now, healed and whole, rejoicing. He's received his reward. He's with God, the person he preached about, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And God in his mercy was patient with my aunt so that she might come into relationship with him. Not only just so she might be saved, but for her husband and her children and her grandbabies and her great-grandbabies, that they might come to know the Lord. I don't know why God does things the way that he does them, but I know he's good and I know he's faithful. And I know the stuff that I read in this book isn't just a cute bedtime story. Some of us live such a shallow faith, not understanding the depths of what God wants to do in our lives. But the first step is submission to him and saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. And for a lot of people, that's the deal breaker that they can't get over. I'll go to a Bible study or a small group. That's harmless enough. I can give a little money here and there. That's, that's not too difficult. But you want me to give my entire life? I don't know about all that. I'm telling you. It's real, it works, and he is good. Don't go another week missing out on everything that he has for your life just because you're trying to work it in your own power. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just do this so that nobody's looking around and nobody feels awkward. This is a moment between you and God. In just a moment, our prayer team is gonna come up here to the front. And if you're in this place and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, to make him Lord and savior of your life, 
to make him the boss of your life. If you've never done that, today's your day. Your eternity is more important than anything going on in your life. And I would urge you today before you leave to come down here to one of our prayer partners and say, hey, I wanna meet this Jesus guy and I wanna submit my life to him. I'm telling you, he's gonna begin to do a work in you that's gonna begin to change things. But for those of us who are here today and maybe you're already a believer, but you're battling some tough situations and you're going through it and you are fearful of your future and you just keep wrestling with it. You just keep saying, well, God, I don't know how you're gonna work it out and I don't know how you're gonna do it. You need to stop all that. And you need to just start giving him thanks and praise that he's already worked it out, that he's already moving on your behalf. And he's gonna give you a peace and he's gonna lead you into what he's got for your life. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I thank you for your people and I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are so good. I'm thankful for healing among those who are sick. I thank you for provision in this season where some are experiencing experiencing such great lack. I thank you, God, for those who are battling depression and addiction, that it says in your word, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And they are no longer bound by who they were, but they are made new in you. I thank you, God, that situations are working themselves out. I thank you, God, that for those who need jobs, that opportunities are presenting themselves to them this week. We thank you, God, that you are a miracle-working God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Church, amen. Listen, I was telling somebody at the 930, the Bible says that we are to bear one another's burdens. There is nothing you're going through that is too small or too big that we don't wanna pray with you about it. So before you leave here today, I get it. The buffets are calling your name. Take a few extra minutes and pray before you leave and then make plans to join us for Christmas. I know Mark and Laura are gonna have an incredible message. It's gonna be a great time together. Invite your friends and sign up to serve. We need you to make Christmas happen. And so we want you to be a part of it. Be blessed, have a great week and we'll see you back here next weekend.